Hello, and welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. Jim, uh, we've got some exciting news coming out of Ontario right now. Yeah, we just got to hear about some new details of the pilot being planned there on Basic Income, about how many people will be receiving it, and some information on specifics on where it would actually be happening. And this is something that I've heard from a lot of talking to people in the basic income space. One of the things that excites people the most is pilots, is being able to see what happens when you actually provide people with basic income, both what are the effects on people and what are the stories of how their lives change during that process. And so we'll be able to, to see that in action starting very soon. So uh, this pilot's going to happen over three years, uh, around 4,000 people in three cities in Ontario. And, you know, we can't wait to see what kind of data and also, yeah, the personal stories that come out of that, I, I think, will really give people a sense of what the basic income can mean. And this is going to be the first time in several decades now that we actually have a large-scale basic income pilot happening in North America. So huge development in the space. So uh, on that note, we have a very exciting uh, interviewee this week. We are interviewing Senator Art Eggleton of Ontario, also a former mayor of Toronto, and he's represented Ontario in the Canadian Senate uh, since 2005. Welcome, Senator Eggleton. Thank you very much. Happy to be with you. So to start off, Senator, could you just tell us a bit more about the pilot that's being planned in Ontario? Well, you've given some of the basics. Uh, it's going to be 4,000 people over three years. It's going to start uh, this spring. Uh, there were three cities that were picked, uh, sort of uh, small, medium, large, and some rural areas around them, so you get a bit of urban and a bit of rural. The one uh, part of this uh, pilot project that hasn't been announced yet is one involving First Nations people, uh, the Native people of Ontario. That's still being worked out. Uh about half of the uh, First Nations people in Ontario uh, live in cities, and the other half, or even less than that, live in uh, reservations. So they're, they're still trying to work out how that might all uh, come together, and that will be a, a further component of, uh, of all of this. Uh, but it's uh, going to cost the province about $50 million a year, and it's a matter of topping people up so that they uh, will come a lot closer to... Uh, a poverty measurement line, and they um, uh, will be able to get into this program. They'll get an invitation letter if they want to be a part of it. They don't want to be a part of it. They don't have to be. And the key to it all is to make sure whether these people are on social welfare or whether they're in the workforce but making very little money, in other words, they're part of the working poor, it's to make sure that nobody uh, has anything less than than what they have now. Uh, so then they, they will want to get involved in the pilot project as a means of improving uh, their their living conditions. So you just mentioned that you're going to have a, a diversity of city size. Why was that important to you for the project? Well, it's, it, it's uh, the province of Ontario, the provincial government that that is running it. Uh, but I, I think to them, uh, seeing uh, how it, it comes out in different parts of uh, urban, rural, small, uh, medium, large cities, I think it's important to see how it works. The the, uh, the cost of living, uh, the, the availability of healthcare services, so many different factors, food uh, security, so many different factors change from place to place. And if eventually this is going to go province-wide or even across the whole country, then we have to see how it works uh, in different parts. And and I, 
I, I think we also have to build confidence in the population that this is uh, something that can work. There, there still are a lot of naysayers out there, a lot of people that are skeptical about it working. And hopefully this pilot project will help to convince them that it'll work and it can work in different conditions, different size families, rural, urban, etc. So the idea of basic income isn't new. It's been around for quite a long time. In fact, Dauphin in Canada had the negative income tax pilot back almost 40 years ago now. What were the factors that led to the Ontario pilot being planned now? Well, I, I think there are three things, and not only in terms of the Ontario pilot, but in terms of the momentum that basic income is getting right throughout uh, Canada. Uh, three reasons. First of all, the persistence of poverty. One in seven Canadians lives in po- live in poverty. That's five million people. A million of them are, are children. There's four million people in need of decent, affordable housing. Almost a million people a year are using uh, food banks, and about 38% of them are children. So you put all of that uh, together, it really hasn't changed an awful lot over the last three decades. In spite of incremental programs here and incremental programs there, uh, it, it still is persistent. Or as one of my colleagues, uh, former Senate colleagues, uh, recently said, our present system doesn't fight poverty, it institutionalizes it. And I would say it traps people uh, in poverty. So so that's one. Secondly is rising inequality, particularly uh, the wide gap in wealth and income levels that's evolved over the past uh, three decades. Uh, 20% of the population of this country controls 68% of the wealth, and the top 1% are making at least 10 times the average uh, amount of uh, Uh, that a Canadian would get in their income. So inequality of opportunity and sharing of the prosperity of this country over the last three decades has has diminished. And thirdly and finally, and and I might add that these last two also bring in not only people suffering from poverty, but also little middle class, uh, a number of middle class people that are also feeling the squeeze. And the third area is a changing labor market. Uh, globalization, outsourcing of jobs uh, has benefited many, but there's been also many that have been left behind. And we have new technology that brings about continuing automation with robotics and artificial intelligence also now on the rise. And in recent years, a lot of the jobs have been precarious employment or gig economy uh, jobs, uh, less benefits, less salary, uh, less security uh, all around. So uh, when you put together these things, poverty, inequality, the changing labor market, together with a feeble economy, uh, growing stress uh, for many to make ends meet, uh, living from paycheck to paycheck, uh, well, and with a lot, of, uh, a lot of household debt as well, great anxiety obviously occurs here, great stress and anxiety, and people are searching for a better safety net. That's the reason why it's gaining a lot of attention, and it and it gains attention in the population. It helps to create political will, and we get a decision like the one out of the Ontario government to do the pilot project. So this pilot is going to be pretty intensely studied as it goes on. I'm wondering what success looks like to you. Is it simply a matter of solving the problems that you, you just laid out? Well, it's not going to solve all of these problems. Uh, it... Uh, it it will, I think, give people a better platform, a better floor in which to move forward. Uh, it'll raise their income security to do that. They're still going to need a lot of support services 
the the different levels of government are still going to it's not going to it's not going to do everything. They're still going to have to be involved in, in provide provision of affordable housing, uh, childcare, uh, and many other services, employment services, uh, etc. To to uh, give the social supports that people need in addition to uh, the, the better income level. But it's it, it needs to to uh, to measure uh, things like health. Uh, will will people's health improve as a re- their health uh, outcomes improve as a result of this? Their living conditions in general, and their housing stability, their food security. Will they be able to uh, raise the level of their education? Uh, uh, look for better career opportunities because they'll have a a better platform to start with, a, a platform that helps make sure that necessities are looked after: food, clothing, uh, and housing. Uh, and, and once they feel more secure in those levels, less stress in those levels, it gives them an opportunity to look at ways forward to improve their living conditions. So all of those things uh, will be looked at in the course of uh, of this study. So you wrote a piece recently where you noted that poverty costs Canada $30 billion every year. Can you say a bit about what's actually going into that expense? Well, first of all, uh, when I say cost Canada, it costs uh, the public treasury thirty billion dollars a year. Uh, private costs uh, would would double that uh, number. So it, it really is costing Canada much more than thirty billion. But the public purse uh, about thirty billion dollars a year. A lot of it's in, in healthcare, for example, because the the uh, low low income Canadians uh, utilize much more of. Uh, of the healthcare dollars, the public healthcare dollars in this country, then of course the higher uh, bracket uh, packets of people. Uh, so there's an enormous amount of cost right there. Uh, a lot of uh, lower income people find themselves uh, in difficulties with the crime and justice system. There are costs uh, there. There's lost productivity uh, uh, as a result of uh, uh, many people being uh, on social welfare. Uh, and, and feeling stuck, feeling trapped, marginalized. Uh, so, you know, for thirty billion dollars a year, we we could get a fairly good program going in in terms of uh, basic income. Uh, it would be a good trade-off. Uh, there have been studies that have suggested, by some leading economists, uh, that not only in, in being able to eventually eliminate that cost, but looking at some tax reforms, we could easily self-finance a basic income uh, system. So at the end of the day, after maybe some transitional costs, it, it would it would be just spending public dollars more efficiently and effectively, not more of them. Yeah, so actually uh, you pretty much answered my next question. With I was wondering to what degree you think this a basic income could pay for itself. Oh, I think it can. I think we there's a study out of Queen's uh, University, McMaster University, headed by some leading uh, economists uh, recently which said look if we got about a hundred billion dollars a year for example in tax credits uh, when people uh, do pay their taxes they can get credits for this and credit for that and a lot of these credits were aimed at specific uh, parts of the population to try to to get votes at one time or another uh, a, a lot of them are outdated or in in many cases they they are much to the advantage of higher income people than they are to uh, Lower income people. Well, I think uh, a little bit of uh, tax reform can uh, can result in some better 
uh, distribution and redistribution of that money to lower income people, and that would that would pay for a basic income program. So I'm curious, with the pilot proceeding in Ontario, and presumably a fair amount of political discussion around that, what generally has been the reception more broadly across the Canadian government to this idea? Well, in in in, uh, in terms of the federal government, it, it's uh, it's taking um, a wait and see attitude uh, at this point in time. It's it's got itself into so many the new government. It's got itself into so many different projects and uh, plans uh, that it, it doesn't seem to be ready to take this on head on. It's waiting to see what the provinces uh, will do. And there has been other provinces in addition to Ontario, Quebec, for example, Prince Edward Island. Uh, where, where they're considering also either pilot projects or, or actually delving right into some form of, uh, of uh, basic income. Uh, and by the way, we already do have a basic income plan in this country for seniors. We've had one since the 1970s. Uh, at a time when we had about 30% of our seniors in poverty, they put in a guaranteed income plan and uh, it brought the poverty rate down to 5% very quickly. Uh, so, so we do have some experience in, in dealing with it uh, from the federal level, uh, but uh, I think they're waiting to see how it goes at the provinces and also uh, the local levels of government. A lot of mayors are coming out in favor of this, so it's there is a grassroots buildup, and as that grassroots buildup gains more and more momentum, it'll help to create political will for the legislators uh, in, in Ottawa to to get on board and be part of a national program. And in fact, the the party in power, the Liberal Party. Uh, at its last two policy conventions, uh, passed resolutions. It's, it has a top 10 resolution category. And in both uh, such occasions, basic income was uh, a part of that. So uh, the party membership has indicated a very clear uh, support uh, for, at least the support for pilot projects, uh, to demonstrate that it can work. Uh, and uh, I, I think the, uh, the government uh, should take heed of that, and hopefully they will before long. And, I, and I'm certainly there to help push them. So that's uh, a lot of favorable signs you just mentioned. Do you have any predictions for the next big developments in the basic income space? Well, uh, watch Quebec. They, uh, they're talking about uh, diving into one. And, and I think uh, if, we, um, if we continue to see this momentum grow, the federal government has to pay attention to it. And, and uh, maybe at the next election, that's something that will uh, uh, become an issue. Uh, the Ontario pilot has uh, three years to go, but we, we should start getting information uh, within the next year or so and get some indication uh, of how it's working. The pilot project that was done in Manitoba back in the uh, 1970s uh, came out with some, it was cut short, but it came out with some good information in terms of uh, of uh, lowering health care costs. Uh, people still remained attached to the workforce. Uh, Young people, though, tended to uh, leave uh, uh, work and go back to school. That's a good thing. And some young mothers, uh, before they had parental leave as a government program, as we do today, were uh, wanting to stay at home with their, their very young children. So, But other than that, attachment to the workforce remains strong. So it'll be interesting to see how this compares in the current context. It's a new era. We need new data, and we need to build the confidence of people in it. And as we do... I think uh, it, uh, it will become an answer to uh, our concerns about uh, poverty, inequality, and, and the changing labor market, at least in part. 
So I'm curious, as the pilot in Ontario proceeds, do, do you have any fears about things that might cause it to, to go awry or, or things that might turn out in, in ways, in unexpected ways that, that could be negative? Well, uh, I hope not. I was hoping uh, for a little more uh, volume, a little more numbers of people. Uh, they're doing up to 4,000. Uh, it would have been good if they could have done a few more. And also if there, there was some flexibility in terms of the uh, uh, levels of support. Uh, and, and even there's a clawback uh, as well once you get uh, over uh, the uh, designated poverty level amount. Uh, you you get a job, then you can have 50% of that income clawed back against your uh, your uh, basic income allowance. Uh, so they get to keep 50 cents. So there is some incentive there. It would have been good to try different levels of that to see uh, see what combination of support and what combination of clawback works the best uh, to get to a right level where it's enough of an incentive for people to move forward and to improve their lives. Uh, hopefully, though, I, I, people I've talked with that have been part of the consultation process with the province uh, seem to think that uh, it will work, and I certainly hope it does. Lastly, is there anything else you'd like to add on anything we talked about? Well, I, I think we just have to keep uh, this uh, momentum going. It's, uh, it's something that um, uh, has been around a long time, as I think you said at the beginning of the conversation, but I think it has new momentum, and I think... Uh, we need to keep it going. I, I personally have a, a motion uh, before the Senate and to request the government of Canada to cooperate with the provinces on basic income uh, pilot projects and uh, that, that being a way of getting them more involved because the, the, the form of basic income we're talking about is based on a negative income tax as opposed to a demigrant. And uh, eventually the, the federal government would have to be uh, involved with it. And I'm hopeful that the Senate will pass my motion and we'll get the government to, uh, to get on board. Well, I can say that we've also seen a pretty big surge energy here in the United States. So hopefully this is something that can uh, help feed off each other in order to, to continue pushing this forward. Well, we're interested in watching what's going on around the world. Uh, we hear about Oakland. We hear about Finland. We hear about other places that are considering and. Uh, these, these can all help us uh, learn from uh, one another and how best to proceed with this. All right. Well, Senator Eggleton, thank you so much for joining us on the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, that was really exciting to hear some of the details on the pilot and that there seems to be real potential that Canada more broadly could be moving on basic income in the future. Yeah. I feel like basic income is being treated with various levels of seriousness in various governments. And Canada is, you know, one of the, the leading countries right now in actually making this happen. Yeah, hopefully we can take a page from that book and see yes. if we can be encouraging state and local efforts here in the U.S. to, to start moving in the months and, and next couple of years. Sure. I, I think it's there's some logistical difficulties and financial difficulties at the state level with the U.S., but I think you could see maybe California, maybe a state in New England, or someone's going to take that leap at some point. And the more evidence we have, the, the easier that leap is going to be. Well, that's it for our episode. Thank you for listening. We'd like to do a big shout-out to our producer, Eric Davison. And please make sure to subscribe and also encourage any of your friends who, who like basic income to listen to our episodes and to subscribe as well. 
We'll talk to you next week.